Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small... In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about Twitch, Doctor Who, and we have part two of our interview with Rosalind Bluestone from the charity Goods for Good. Welcome one and all to another episode of The Kindness Project. I'm joined today by a man who is sitting comfortably in his chair. And a man who seems to have vacated his chair, and I'm now staring at nothing but the cow in his background. It's Russell and Chris. Woo! It's a nice background. I don't like. It is. It's a really, it's yeah. a really nice cow. Yeah, it's very colourful. Interesting. You watching anything good on YouTube lately, Charlie? On YouTube, no, but I do follow this guy on Twitch, and basically it's just oh, him sweet. programming his video game. Yeah, uh, it's great. It just I'm, like I'm, something... I'm saying, um... <sighs> just something I put on in the background when I'm doing something else. Just like he just talks through his process, and I don't understand a word of it, and it's great. Yeah. What game oh. is he programming? Uh, I don't know. Heart something. I don't know. I don't know. I might not have seen that one, but I watch a lot of programming content, so... Yeah, I sort of hopped on it because I, fo- I, I uh, followed this guy who does uh, playthroughs, but he was, used to be a programmer, and he's friends yeah. with this guy, and I sort of got kind of got onto it because I hopped through a bunch of other channels. Yeah, I don't like a bit of programming content. Uh, I love using Twitch as like background noise for other stuff I'm doing. It's just great. My most recent rabbit hole is watching uh, watching people sort of crush things with hydraulic crushers. Oh, those are good. The, the sound of it, just yeah. Because it the one where where it gets like crushed with potato and turns into all like noodles. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're the sort of things. Yeah. There's Some, the sometimes, sometimes I get those on TikTok, but then they start telling a Reddit story over the top, oh, and it's yeah. like, give me the hydraulic press sounds. <laughs> There's a Japanese thing that where they uh, where they like the sound of eating, isn't there? I can't uh, remember what that's I called. Mukbang. 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 Um, is that ASMR? Where the... Yeah, but... I don't like the ones where they eat because it's like, it's you, like when you eat, it's just a bit. Sorry, we are we are joined in today's episode by Sophie Dates, who's currently eating peanut butter out of a bowl. Peanut butter and yogurt. Pe- peanut yogurt was like non-flavored. Peanut butter and yogurt and honey out of a bowl. <laughs> so we have got um, we have got four people hosting the podcast today, which. Did get very messy, um, and and you just like people flashing stuff, Russ. Yeah, have you not seen it? it it's so. Have you not seen them? Have I've you genuinely not seen them? I've seen Willie Blend. Have you ever seen Willie Blend? Yes. Well, no, I love Willie I thought one where they shoved stuff down a sink and then. Sorry, what <laughs> Willie Blend? They put so stuff in the blender and see if it blends. They just they just try and blend stuff. It's, oh, it's like, it. I saw this thing and it was like, will it drain? And they just shoved stuff down their sink. Will it drain? 
and then they use like some sort of drain cleaner. I reckon Rose should start. It always uh, rains after last week's episode. I reckon Rose should start a um, a new YouTube channel called as family member of the um, Nets and Hookers. Um, that's going to be a long old YouTube. That's going to be a long old YouTube channel name, you know. What? As founder of the Nets and Hookers is the name of the YouTube channel. But there's a series called Will It Hook? Will It Hook? <laughs> Will It Hook? Yeah. What you do, though, just try out different types of wool. Well, what you do is you, you'd like, <clears throat> you'd have something, let's say a banana. And you've got to do a crochet model of I'm that a, I'm definitely not holding into that trap. You know, you've you've come up with an idea. <laughs> I feel you're gonna run with it. I'm not falling uh, into that trap. I, I, I you as you know, Russ, I've got a tendency of doing that. Yeah, yeah, you have. <laughs> have you seen the videos of people who who nip uh nip pasta spaghetti? No. Spaghetti. If we're talking about calming though, nothing more calming for me than a carpet clean. Mm. <laughs> the machine. The machine, they get the machine out. Oh. Yeah, I, I I I feel that there's part of the internet. They, I, they I just the dirty ones where they yeah, get yeah. the jet washer out and everything. They get the jet washer out. It's yeah. just great. I'm, I'm, I enjoy them as well. Carpet <laughs> yeah. is just really really brown, and then it's like a cream coloured carpet. Right, and they right. clean it, oh, and it's the. Oh. You're missing so much of the internet. Oh god, he's searching up carpet cleaning now. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm not realizing, realizing that we need some. <laughs> I'm realizing that we need some kindness mood. So I'm finding a. Um, I'm finding a um, Doctor Who related version of kindness news today. Oh. Cause, yes. Because as we sit here at the start of November, uh, and as Doctor Who fans, um, the 60th anniversary episodes are coming. And I've got to say, chaps, I'm quite excited. I am well, quite they're, excited. They're rerunning them all on BBC iPlayer. They're well. all on there already, Russ. Yeah. All on there already. Charlotte sent me. Charlotte sent me a link. I read yesterday. The Hooniverse, which um, basically is every single piece of Doctor Who content. Well, yeah. not every single piece, but quite a lot of it. Um, of the last yeah, sixty years. Yeah. It doesn't have any of the big Finnish stuff on it, and there's not a uh, House for the Dead, which uh, for any Torchwood fans, it's on well, the Don't like... listen to it because it made me cry, and I loved it. But here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. How rubbish was it back in the day? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, what the we production values of the new ones compared um, to the um, what we find rubbish now was stay in the art back then. That, I mean, the problem is you always look at it through your your modern sensibilities. So yesterday, Russ, I spent 20 minutes playing a Commodore 64 game. Yep. There's, there's online emulators where you can yep. just go on and, and plug in any game. It still stacks up 
it, what game was it? Paradroid, Russ. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paradroid. However, not state-of-the-art graphics, clearly. The graphics were... Yeah. But, but with, I feel like... But I feel like with a lot of like indie games coming in with that sort of less look at yeah. look at Minecraft. That's Love all Minecraft. Love Minecraft. Yeah. I was thinking like specifically Undertale, how big Undertale was for its time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or like the the sequel games, Delta Green are also big in the community as well. Yeah. So So, so like, yeah, that's still I, 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 I think with TV and film, um, I, I, you know, you know what? I mean, with TV and film, the problem you've got is there's classic films that stack up, um, but they're not normally sci-fi. So, no. like, if you look at films like I, I don't know, uh, yeah, The Godfather. The Godfather is fifty years old, right? Uh, Nearly fifty years old. However, it still looks yeah, like... Yeah, but it's got no, it's got no special graphics. Special, it, special it's effects. Got no, it's got no VR. Is that, is, is that sci-fi bit that, that does it? Um, but it, but human, human stories are, are, the ones that, um, are the ones that stack up because human stories are eternal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, like, what if... We were talking about rabbit holes earlier and now we're talking about movies and I'm going to bring them together. One of my rabbit holes when I was like 13 or 14 was are watching... You gonna, sorry, can I just ask, are you going to hook them together? Yeah, oh. absolutely. Um, one of one of my rabbit holes when I was like 13, 14, and I sort of re-went back to it when I was like 16, uh, was uh, student films. Right. If you go online, you can find loads of student films. Um, but, but, then, but then you you look at like every filmmaker started off as a student filmmaker, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, there's there was, a really, the... there was a really good one. I think it was Dutch, and I watched it with subtitles. This might not be the Dutch one, but there was definitely a Dutch one in the collection of films I just watched over and over because they were just on YouTube. Um, there was one about these three teenagers. And they just were like normal kids, bit on the sort of bad sides, you know. And <laughs> and they just went for a, a walk one day and they ended up down on the train tracks. And it's about these two kids just surviving after their friend has died. And it's just such a beautiful little film. Or they are often quite like dramatic and sad because they're student films and I feel like that's a lot of the mindset students get well, in sometimes. I, 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 I love the animations. Yeah, what the student animations. Yeah, because there was one... Student animations are also really good. There's a, there's... I'm a rabbit for some reason and it was like the end of the world and it was like penguins were trying to like annihilate the world. Right. And... <laughs> And then she was like, press the red button. And there was like 87 red buttons. And, and she was, he was like, which one? And she was like, the big one. And there was like, a, he turned around and there was like a really massive red button. I, I feel, and then, yeah. I feel we're getting really yeah. real or, or, into, sorry, Charlotte. I feel we're getting a real insight into the mindset of Charlotte and Sophie there, right? So what we've got is Charlotte talking about 
grief, an existential crisis, and and teen angst, and um, what student filmmakers think about, um, which is life and death and everything in between. And then suddenly, so, Sophie, Sophie turns up and goes, <laughs> No, but the animation ones are different, because I watched an animation one, and I probably watched it about five or six times, where this guy just goes into a shop, and uh, the shopkeeper comes with me, and he gets a packet of butter from the fridge, and then he walks out to the desert, and he puts the butter in a hole, and then you hear monster noises from the bottom of the hole, and the shopkeeper just goes, he really likes butter, and that's it, that's the whole film. <laughs> well, about that student film where the um, there's a lemonade stand, and this duck walks up to the lemonade stand, <laughs> and he goes, and he goes, what do they do? He goes, hey. Got any grapes? Um, so there is three of them, and then there's the one about the bear in the cave that's also yeah. the same people. Right, but here's what I wanted to talk about, right? So when Raz and I was growing up, and I'm sure you can YouTube this, right? When Raz and I was growing up, there was... Um, like they they used to have the scariest thing on telly by a mile were these trapdoor was scary. I tell you what was scarier: public information films. Do you know what a public? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. I do know what a public the, information. The, the old, uh, the old, uh, the old nuclear, nuclear. Uh, what's it called? Well, there, there was there was that. There was when we when we were kids. There was a a, a, a AIDS um, pandemic yeah. that was in, impacting the UK, and those adverts were always really scary. There was one about a train track, um, uh, and there was also yeah. there was also one about not getting in strangers' cars that involved uh, a cat and. A uh, young boy called Charlie Says. Do you remember Charlie Says, Russ? No, uh, I don't. They, they were incredible. You know what always scared me? It still scared me now. Uh, when you go on to CBB, see, whatever it is, and it says, CBB, whatever is closed, it will come back at six, whatever in the morning. And underneath it, it says, if you see a picture behind this, like, go off of the channel and click back. And I'm like, what pictures are people taking? <laughs> the Teletubbies, but like black and white, and then they were attacking each other or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, so the fact that you're not seeing a picture means that you're worried about what other people yeah. are seeing. Um, so, public information was one. Um, and uh, like the, the, they, they were definitely really, really, really scary public information movies. See, I think I think all versions of that are very tame. So I I had Dumb Ways to Die. I had the T video. Uh, and Sophie knows exactly what I'm talking about because it's such a like a cultural phenomenon. Uh, and if I if I say the T video, Sophie knows exactly what I'm talking about. But you guys look kind of clueless. Now, I know what the T video is. Could you show me the T video? Very funny. The game. The game isn't a public service announcement thing, though. No, but, but... Russ, if I had the T video to you, would you know what I'm talking about? 
so there's this video that they show to <laughs> all kids from a certain age multiple times in their education. I think I've been shown it about ten times. Yeah, it's my... video, right? It's primarily about consent. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unconscious people don't want tea. If someone said they wanted tea and now they're unconscious, don't force them to drink tea. It's, it's you know. It's a message. Yeah. But it's just such a cultural phenomenon. If you mention the tea video to any, like, British student yeah. above a certain yeah. age and under another age, that's Everybody it. Knows it. On that note, let's move on to kindness news. Kindness news. And uh, the um, there there's a um, auction going on. So X Doctor Who Art leads bidding in a Hertfordshire charity auction. Celebrities including Joni Whittaker have contributed art to a charity auction that is now underway. Hitchin-born artist Sarah Graham started the fundraiser to raise money for North Heart Stevenage Samaritans and she invited more than 170 celebrities, including James Bay, Joe Lysett and Kerry Ellis to pay camper van designs it for the project entitled Samarabands. I really like this. I really like this. All of the bands created by the artists are on display at uh, Arkley Fine Art uh, in the Hitchin. Describe their art in type of the time band. The Doctor Who star, uh, Jodie Whittaker, said time band incorporates the colours of my doctor's costumes. The blue coat, coat yellow braces, bright rainbow, and the number plate is 13, as, as I'm the 13th Doctor. Within 24 hours of the auction beginning, Time Band had received about 75 bids with a price reaching £2,000. There's not much, chaps, I miss about the pandemic. But do you remember Grayson Perry's Art Club? That was brilliant. And I actually got into a bit of art during lockdown, which I've completely Did not done. Get on the I was, but I, I actually enjoyed the process of creating art, which Sophie's amazing at, by the way. Samaritans was, uh, in, uh, Bands was inspired by Background Bob, a 14-year-old with hypercephalus, uh, epilepsy, and cerebral palsy, who collaborated with more than 750 artists, including Miss Graham said she wanted to raise money for the charity, as it had provided a lifeline for her during her struggle with bipolar disorder. I know from personal experience how important the Samaritans can be when you are in deep distress. I think the Samaritans do an amazing job as an anonymous lifeline to guys think. Yeah, I think uh, there's a couple of them calling lines that don't get the, as much publicity as sort of your... Yeah, PDSAs or that do on the telly, hmm. but they do a do a vital job. The one by Age UK helping people with uh, older people feeling lonely. Yeah, looks. And we've we've I mean we've interviewed people who've looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, because because that that element of loneliness as a as an impact on our lives, I think we need to certainly as a as a as a community and as a as a country do do more 
more from. Samaritan uses volunteers to offer listening and support to people and communities in times of need. Um, love that. Love that little story. Using art and creativity um, to raise money for an amazing cause. That, that's brilliant. On that note, let, let's move on to part two of our interview with Rosalind. Rosalind Flute, um, uh, we loved interviewing Rosalind, didn't we? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, very enjoyable. Do you want to elaborate, guys? Well, I, I found a story that she was made redundant and then sort of made redundant from a similar job to what she's doing now, but took that model and moved it over into our own project. I found that quite interesting. Yeah, so yeah. did I. It was, a, it, was, it, it was really interesting that there were people still willing to help her in her goal. Like, well, well, that's the thing. It's like it's that element where she didn't do it alone, did she? Like, we all need people to support and help us with whatever we do in our lives. And even though she got made redundant and started this project independently, yeah, she bought the patch and she bought the drive, but actually we need other people to help us along the journey, and that and that's that's key. So, on that note, let's listen to part two of the interview with Rosalind. Charlotte, what's your next question? So, you've talked about sort of the work you do, but beyond the work, what's what's the mission? What's the goal? What's sort of the where you want to go with all this? So we're nine, we're, we're, not, we're nine years in to the charity. Uh, what's the mission is, you know, to help vulnerable people at home and overseas, because since pre-COVID, we were working with 12 local charities, homeless and asylum seekers, refugees. Um, that nationwide, Rosalind, is there like a geographical range to the support you give? Or when you talk about at home, is that typically in London or is that... So, oh no, it's it's uh, Scotland, Wales, yeah. um, to the south. Yes, it's uh, groups. So we so we started with twelve, and since COVID, it's one hundred and twelve charities, UK charities, and we supply them with all these hygiene, with nappies, with sanitary towels, with. Uh, coats you know for asylum seekers and refugees that have arrived in flip-flops don't have a winter coat in fact we've had uh we're sitting here in Watford today my colleague and I and we've had three um collections here of clothing and you know the charities we're working with are saying that we must make sure people have got coats for this weather um we also supply sleeping bags and, and all these goods are given to us free of charge so it's either from companies or and the other thing that we do is mobilize a community to do a collection of nappies a collection of toiletries or sanitary towels or a school you know um and also we respond to uh crisis as well so ukraine there was a huge response here sort of all over the uk and uh, obviously we're and during the afghan crisis as well that we had so many goods we couldn't actually get into our facility so um, we couldn't get through the door we couldn't we had to close it because couldn't get to the toilets it was actually a fire hazard um, so we had to sort of remove remove goods from here and so um, and that was at that stage it shows that people are generous 
I've got a philosophy, and I don't know, and I've said this, Charlotte and Russ, and I've said it on the podcast loads of times. But given the chance, people are good, right? I mean, we couldn't do what we do without the generosity of communities who are in a position to help, um, and also British and European industry. So. The companies we, we that help us, we've got over 280 companies that help us. And some of the, the companies help us with warehousing. Because if you came here, like head office of Uniqlo came here in BlackRock, and they see this tiny place and you, they think, oh, Roslyn, how do you make this happen all from this tiny place? You know, because you can't get a lorry down the road. If you do, it blocks the whole road and you can't... Right unload pallets you know pallets of clothing so the way that we make it well this is really the sort of heartbeat office local yeah. distribution to the local charities of goods yeah. um and um then we work with a com two companies and i'm going to mention them yeah, sure. um, so one company is called uh, the dune group dune shoes yeah. um, so they've been helping me for many years uh, with, with, where, with warehouse space in particular, right? With warehouse space in Leicester and also with logistics. So when their vans go around the big shopping centres, dropping off all their beautiful shoes and handbags and um, boots, um, they go back empty. And instead of going back empty, they do collections for us from the different other companies who are donating stock to us and then they take it up to their warehouse put it all on pallets uh and then they so uh then they deliver it somewhere else wherever we whatever we tell them to do with it um so they've helped us load up trucks in the past um but recently since the um the rain the war in ukraine we've been working with uh, my first years um who are in northampton and they do a huge amount for us all so they take all the goods in from dune um and they palletize them label them weigh them get them ready for export which is a huge job for us uh what's your next question well, I think it sort of nicely links into all this. This seems to be flowing quite well. So you say that the donations come from, I mean, the way you're talking about it, they come from companies, but also communities. How do you sort of, the question is just generally, where do your donations come from? Like, is it just clothing donations you get? Do you take monetary donations? Sort of a little bit of that, about that. Okay, so... Um... The sort of uh, donations we get from British industry and also from European industry, so we get goods from uh, companies in Europe as well, which go directly to Holland, obviously. Um, they um, are unwanted stock, so samples or last year's fashion or tiny faults. Uh, it could yeah. be there's that one centimetre out in the stretch of the neck or the buttons are not the right buttons or the buyers are just not happy with the goods that have been imported from either Turkey or China, that they're not happy with them. So they reject them. So it's quite um, unbelievable. The amount. The volumes that are available... And companies contact us now and say, you know, we've got um, 
5,000 hoodies uh, and would you would you like them? And they have to go abroad. So the thing is, so it means what the alternative for them, um, it, we're saving those goods from going to landfill. So not only I are... I say, yeah, that, I mean, otherwise they just get wasted, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. we're ticking two boxes, goods for good is ticking two boxes. One is the humanitarian aid, uh, obviously helping people, and we're also helping and kind to the planet. And these are two... Love that. These are two things that we feel are very attractive to corporates you know um because you know if we're talking about funding which we haven't really um spoken about um you know people have their favorite charities and they might give a standing order of a fiver or something to or they support their local charity shops which is is great but you know to run a charity like we are, even with a tiny team um, and, you know, a facility, we have to pay rent and we have our overheads and everything and we need to uh, have uh, funds coming in. And um, we believe, you know, with uh, corporate social responsibility and now with ESG, environmental, um, social um, and governance, sustainability uh, and, and governance, um, you know, that we actually have a lot to offer companies. And we do have a lot of companies that are working uh, with us. You know, for example, we had, we've had we had teams in from Uniqlo, from Beatrice, pharmaceutical company, from BlackRock, um, from Metrobank, you know, that they come in to help us. And we're, um, we're sort of... Um, we have a scheme called the Humanitarian Aid Partnership Scheme where we're looking for companies to invest and be part of what we do uh, right. to, to, to give us uh, a, a, um, an annual donation, uh, financial donation, but also we can engage their teams in coming in to help us organise events for them in their work, like collecting coats for the homeless. So... Um, we believe that um, the uh, partnership is a two-way partnership. And and I think you're right. I mean, the, our experience of, uh, and it, it reminds me of an interview we did with a lady called Tracy Walsh, who uh, who runs an organisation called the East End Community, Community Foundation. And she said that these companies have, uh, have got a, a, an effective desire to help but not the knowledge and skills actually to to deliver. So they yeah. need to find really good charity partners to support them to do that, right? No, it's absolutely true, you know, because um, a lot of companies do have a commitment for volunteering and for activities for their teams. They want, but they, they, they might only be familiar with the bigger charities and there are a lot of small charities like ours yeah. who, are, who are struggling. Um, and um yeah i mean i think you know these volunteering opportunities are also are quite rare you know yeah. so um i mean and what i'm curious about is what story best describes the work you do when you think about sort of the the, the work you do and the impact it has what story springs to mind i think it's uh, a story of kindness it's all about kindness and being kind to people 
And it really is these very small gestures. Uh, the world we live in at the moment is not kind, uh, is not kind enough, let's say. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we encourage that kindness. And we 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 find also that the companies that come in to help us, they come and volunteer. We d we have professional volunteers as well doing other things, not only just pa packing goods, but sort of helping us um, with other challenges, um, yeah. for example. And, uh, and I think... I think, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, we've got, you know, I run a small business as well as host the podcast. One of our philosophies is do well, do good. And other professional companies that we talk to, it's not unusual that they share that same philosophy because actually, the same as you at 60, Rosalind, you wanted purpose in your life, right? You know, it's that purpose element. I think people, typically in a world that looks sometimes so conflict-ridden, we're looking for that opportunity to do good. So thank you for shouting out the fact that you, you're you looking for companies because we, we hopefully we get the opportunity to share that on the podcast and, uh, and get people to get in touch. And I've got... I'll do this after the interview, but there's a couple of people that I probably want to introduce you to that might be able to help you with that. So leave, leave that with me. I'll let Charlotte go on to the next question, but I'll make some introductions for you that might be able to help you with that. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I feel like we've covered my next question, so I might just move on to the one after it. Well, then. Uh, <laughs> all right. That's how the interview works. Uh, what would you say is the most impactful part of the uh, part of your work? Sort of like what, do you feel has the most impact on what part makes you feel the best about the work you do? Mm. So, um, obviously, when you're delivering essential goods to people that don't have them and you you get um, feedback um, from a community. So, for example, just um, as an example, we had um, a huge donation um from a sports company sportswear company i can't mention some of the companies because actually they don't want to be mentioned um but we had three uh sorry four trucks four 40 foot trucks of sportwear that's footwear um track suits hoodies school bags um from a company and it all had to leave the country so yeah. companies may say where they want these goods to go uh because they don't want them affecting the local market can i ask then so if they do leave the country you your charity partners in holland are then the 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 first step for that and then it gets distributed throughout europe is that how it works from a logistics oh, no we have charity partners now especially since the Ukraine war, we send directly, whereas at the beginning yeah. we used to send everything via Holland, but over the last few years we're sending things directly oh, right. to uh, Odessa or di directly to uh, Moldova. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so the impact of all these sports goods, it meant that the... Um, the charity partner working in Moldova, which happens to be another British charity, also very small. We like working with small focused charities. Um, they were able to deliver all these sports goods to football teams where the children didn't have any football boots or kit. Love that. 
basketball teams, um, schools, orphanages. Um, they were giving out school bags. They, this particular charity also uh, are supplied with food through a, a company, a UK company. So they were giving out food and also clothing, shoes, coats, um, as I say, sports kit. And what's that? What? The impact for them is that they've been able to reach out to the um, Depart Department of Education over there, to the Ministry of Education, to the F Moldovan Football Association. They've right. delivered some of the goods into Ukraine over the border to orphans, to, to kids. That I mean, the, the impact has been absolutely huge. And we have got um, some stories and reports on our website um, reflecting that. And, and obviously social media is also important to us. We've, you know, we've got good Instagram, Facebook accounts. Can I, um, can I just encourage all our listeners to visit your website? Because I said to you before our interview, uh, I found it quite inspiring uh, watching your video, watching the story of the charity, thinking about the amazing work you do. Um, so please, we'll talk about the website and we'll make sure the website's on the show notes when the podcast goes out. But please visit Goods for Good because it, it is an inspiring story. Charlotte, next question for you. Yeah, absolutely. So you, I guess we're going back to the website. We'll stay there because uh, I too have been on the website. Um, oh, so on your website you talk about specifically uh providing support to vulnerable vulnerable communities and you talk about not just not just supporting communities that we would like primarily think of as vulnerable but also supporting groups like the elderly uh, how is there a difference in the type of support you find that they need oh yeah definitely um so i mean when we're collating collecting goods obviously we 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 make sure we've got goods for the needs i mean we can't always get everything that is needed and obviously stock comes and goes and then we sort of have to sort of go back to that company and ask them for more bedding for example but certainly um the elderly um are needing things like bedding and um blankets and warm clothing you know coats boots sort of like well it's things that, that where they're not going to fall and I'm talking about overseas uh, uh, mostly um so elderly uh community here in the UK you know we as I say we work with um all our goods go out via another charity sort of so we're not actually out there giving out goods uh we we're working with 120 yeah, you're a collaborative partner aren't you yeah. yes exactly. It's, it's exactly. interesting we we did an interview which is which uh with a charity called the felix project a few oh, weeks yeah. ago yeah. and they they're effectively the intermediary for food in the exactly. in the and that's what you do for goods isn't it you're working as that, that middleman that and 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 their point i think applies to your charity because without that intermediary the, the connection often doesn't get made does it you know it's yeah. like all this goods just as you say ends up in landfill but what I, I, one lovely story i'd like to tell charlotte on the subject of elderly people i visited a lady in um, ukraine living in actually i think it was one of the 
areas that's very badly bombed now, sadly, but it was beautiful countryside uh, in a little village. And from the outside, a house looked like a little sort of um, something from the front of a chocolate box, you know, a little yellow sort of painted house. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that, how, how quaint, who are we going to see now? We walked in, very sort of dingy, uh, dark, and she um room, big room, and I'm sort of, my eyes were getting accompanied, uh, accustomed to the uh, light. And I looked around and I all I could see was a sort of like a little corner with sink uh, and loads of bags stuffed in the corner. Uh, and then she had her bed and she was sitting at, sitting by a table. Uh, that There was one chair and a candle because there was no electricity. Um, and she said to me, oh, through an interpreter. So I was there with uh, her social worker and an interpreter. And the interpreter um, told me that she wanted to thank me for her magic blanket. And I thought, oh, what does she mean? I love what's what's a magic blanket, you know? So I said, uh, uh, tell me, tell me about the blanket. Can you show me the blanket? You, I'm really happy you're so pleased with it. And she sort of, it was it was uh, warm weather and she looked, she pointed to her bed and she just showed me and it was like a Marks and Spencer duvet cover. And I said to her, well, I'm pleased you like your duvet, you know, your cover. I said, well, what makes it magic for you? Oh, she said, well, in the, in the winter, I stuff all my clothes and all those bags in the corner and that blanket keeps me alive. And she said, now look, and in the summer, she said, I take all the bags and all my clothes out of the blanket and I've got a lovely cool cover. And oh, that, amazing. And that was her magic blanket because they don't have duvet covers. Which, yeah. You know, so. uh, you know, you know what? It's, and it, it's that element of, the, as, you, as you said, you know, one of the things that this podcast always brings me back to is gratitude because... As you say, we take that stuff granted, right, in the UK primarily. Yeah. And that, that individual just doing that is, is amazing. I absolutely love it. Charlotte, what's your next question? So nine years, it's a long time. Uh, is there a next step? And what is it? Well, um, well, coming into our 10th year is very exciting. And my uh, chair, my uh, chair, Noah, uh, Bernstein always said to me, if you get past your first year, you've done well. If you get past your fifth year, you've done very well. So here we are coming into the 10th year. I would like to see Goods for Good taken to the next stage now because, you know, we've, I feel that we've sort of, um, we, we've had a huge impact delivering over 50 million pounds worth of unwanted stock uh, to, to people in need and it's a huge result um, you know some of the donations that we've had from some of the big uh, sports companies and um, some of our donors like uh, Uniqlo like Next, like Dune uh, my first year's uh, uh, regatta outdoor wear next uh, maybe I've said them already but you know the the goods that we've uh, delivered have all been vi vital uh, goods and you know we've managed to do this all on a shoestring budget we need to increase our work facility our, our team um, and really 
we're looking for a chair, a new chair at the moment, or a co-chair that will help us to take the charity to the next to the next level because um, you know, we know we have a proven model which is helping people, hum you know, the whole humanitarian aid sector, um, and also the sustainability sector, uh, preventing goods, repurposing yeah. goods that otherwise would go. It's a bus. double win, isn't it? It's yeah. a double win. Yeah, 100%. And, and now we need, we need to be able to have the funds that we need to take the charity to the next level and, and increase our reach and to get to more people, bring more companies on board who want to get involved with us. So who should get in touch? Who would be the ideal person for to pick up the phone and speak to you, Rosalind? Well, we'd love to talk to uh, companies that want to get involved with us, who'd like to volunteer with us, who'd like to um, give us financial help as well. Yep. Um, and involve their teams because we feel that we have a lot to offer them as well as um, they have to offer us. Um, and we we often say uh, we had a, a team of ten in here yesterday. It was a squeeze, um, and um, in fact, we've just been given a sort of another local um, facility by a company called Focus Brands in St Albans. So it means we're going to be able to have larger groups of volunteers in on a regular basis. But it, we need to have a team that can also manage that because it needs managing. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, we, we, need, we need help to get to the next level. And I'm very optimistic. Um, as I approach uh, next year will be my um, 70th birthday. And uh, I have got uh, lots of energy and ideas um and a wonderful team i want to say thank you to, to the team that have supported me and the volunteers so most of the team currently were volunteers at one stage and um and our trustees that have done a fantastic job supporting me business mentor andrew jacobs who's sort of held my hand from um November uh, 2013, I think it was, where I sort of told him what I was planning to do. And he introduced me to a group called the Ella Forums, which is a forum for CEOs of charities that yeah. I'm still a member of. And I have wonderful mentoring through my group and also one-to-one. -one. Um, so I, 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 I can't take all the credit. And when I got my MBE at um, Windsor Castle uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, if I uh, I said I wanted to sort of cut it into little pieces and share a piece with everyone that's this, But this is the reality, isn't it? No man or woman is, a, is an island, right? We all do it with the support of our families, our friends, our teams. And I think you, the, the sooner you recognise that, you, the sooner you, the sooner you actually get to thrive because it actually relies on a lot of people and not just somebody you need. I think you need people like you, Rosalind, to just drive the way forward, but you also need the support of people to come with you on that journey. So I absolutely love that. We're coming to the end of the interview now. What I'd love to do is um, share where people can get in touch with you next. So What's the website? Where's the, where can they find you on social media or on LinkedIn? Where where do they reach out? Yes. Okay. So obviously I'm on long, LinkedIn. I nearly called it LinkedIn. LinkedIn. <laughs> There's a different site, LinkedIn. 
yeah, yeah, so maybe, maybe somebody should start LinkedIn. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, Rosalind Bluestone. Um, and um, the website address is goodsforgood.org.uk. That's goods for good with the F-O-R in the middle of the two of the two goods so goodgood.org.uk uh my linkedin and um yeah i'll be delighted to hear from anybody um that wants more information about what we do how they can get involved and um you know we'd be delighted to start new relationships and um okay. donors of goods or donors of funds um and really sort of collaborate i lo always love collaborating and i think this is um something that a lot of charities don't do but uh, we we love collaborating with other charities um on Perfect. projects yeah fabulous thank you so much for your time today you so we've, we've loved chatting to you yeah i've had a great time thank you so much you're welcome that was part two um is the end of another podcast but the end is never really the end it's the end it's just time the joke of the week right so i'm doing a joke about youtube this week uh, <laughs> just have to do the one hopefully it's not too disappointing because i am glitching all over the show um why why was why was zelda sad after scrolling through a bunch of youtube videos i don't know no charlotte because she couldn't find the link in the description. Oh. Should we have that second one? <laughs> yeah, uh, prepare for more glitching then, I suppose. It's 2023, and I still tell my subscribers on YouTube to wear a mask. Who knows? My video could go viral. Oh, God. On that note, that's yep. the end of another podcast. We will see you, my what? friends. But what happened to say... What happened to saying "tis the end of another podcast" really dramatically? Because I don't understand. Well, we stopped having something big and dramatic at the end to say "tis the end," but I can do it if you want to. That's okay. We'll do it next time. Next time. That is actually the end, and we'll see you next time on the podcast. Bye. Bye.